Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Neil, for reading that to us. Let's pray, shall we, as we come and look at God's word together this morning. Lord, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you that it opens our eyes to the incredible beauty of your creation, but also of the deep desire that we should have to be people of praise. And Lord, as we've sung your praise this morning, as we've declared that your name is powerful, that you are great, we've sung Hosanna in the highest, we pray now that those same praises will be true of our innermost being, that we will resonate with praise to your name. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. One thing... I really love doing is watching unexpected wins in the Olympics. Um, I don't know if you found this, but over the last few weeks, I've suddenly got interested in all kinds of sports that I never normally give a second thought to, like pole vaulting. You know, who is here is an avid pole vault supporter, and then suddenly you find that there's somebody British in there, and you're there glued to your screen. Well, this isn't about pole vaulting, but this is about BMX stunt racing. Because Claire and I were watching, not live, because it was been about five in the morning, but we were watching a replay of the BMX stunt riding. And the lady who won it was a British lady, and she defeated the world champion totally unexpectedly. And she did amazing things on a bike, things that if I'd tried it, I would have just collapsed in a heap. But at the end, what I really love, even more than the unexpected win, is when they zoom on to her family and friends. Have you watched those things where suddenly there's this room full of people and everybody is going absolutely wild. They are just cheering, they're shouting. And what happens sometimes in the human heart is when something amazing happens, we have to say something. Try being quiet at a football match and it's quite difficult. 
Sometimes the human heart just has to respond with praise. Psalm 19. We're on our final week looking at David this week. And we've looked at something of the life of David over recent weeks. And then we've been looking at three particular psalms with different themes. So we looked, first of all, at joy. Then we looked at trust. And then this psalm, the overriding theme, really is one of praise. Now, if you can think back over the life of David, David was a man who loved to praise God. You may remember just a couple of weeks back, we were looking at the Ark of the Covenant arriving in Jerusalem. And what did David do? He danced. He sang. There were all these instruments um, playing. He was praising God. David praises and worships when perhaps other people might shrink back in fear. Even after those terrible events when he sinned with Bathsheba, you read the narrative forward and what's happened, he gets to a point where even though tragedy happens, he still worships. Last week, we looked at Psalm 25, this incredibly beautiful and intricate psalm, where David uses another skill to praise. He uses the skill that God has given him as a poet to praise. Another reminder that actually God will give us things to use for praise. But one thing that I think is really clear in the life of David is praise of God is not linked to our temporary circumstance. Praise is not linked to whether I've got up in the morning and I've had a good night's sleep and everything's going swimmingly well and then I think, oh, hallelujah, you know, life's wonderful. It is linked to the character and the works of God. Praise is linked to the character and the works of God. So this psalm that's before us this morning, it's a liturgical psalm, by which I mean it's one that was written for the director of music. It's one that would have been used in corporate worship together, probably for people to sing together. And I want to look at this psalm in three ways, three different types of praise. There's the praise of the creation, then there is the praise to the God who is continuing to speak, and then there is that cry right at the end for a bit of joined up thinking, that our hearts and what we say go together. So let's have a look at the praise of the creation. One thing I've noticed over the last few years, I don't know if you've picked this up as well, but if you're watching films or, say, watching a box set on Netflix, there's a line that keeps appearing. And it's something along this sort of way of speaking. The universe is bringing us together. The universe wants this to happen. Has anyone else noticed it, or is it just me? Have you noticed that cropping up in films and in sort of TV shows? And it's really interesting. A few years ago, we never heard that line. We might have heard other things, but we didn't hear that the universe was bringing us together. And it's as if the universe becomes a personality. And the universe then has some kind of will that brings people together. And it's a belief, basically, that is almost as old as human beings themselves. And it's when people get mixed up between God the creator and the creation, the things that we can see. And rather than worship the creator, people start worshiping the creation. And so in times gone by, and even today, you know, people worship the sun and the moon and the stars and all manner of things instead of worshiping God himself. Now, this psalm steers us well away from that way of thinking. We are never to worship the creation, but we are to give glory to the creator that the creation points to. And so this psalm reminds us that the whole of creation points us to the God who has spoken and created. Romans 1, Paul makes the same kind of point. The creation leaves us without excuse for worshiping God. Just look at these um, words from Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
Theologians sometimes use a technical term called general revelation or natural revelation to show that actually the world reveals something of God to people. So that as you walk around, you know, you see an amazing sunset, you see a beautiful mountain view, you see something that just sort of captures us. It reflects something of the Creator. In our um, discussions on Wednesday night, we we were talking um, about the the glory of God and why some people just don't see it in creation. And we we were reminded that C.S. Lewis said that if all he could see was the human thumb, it would be enough to convince him of a creator. That's all it takes. Just something to see that reflects God's glory. Now what David does is David says that actually the whole of creation is praising God. The whole of creation has voice to praise, and it's a common biblical theme. If we're woken up early in the morning by um, the dawn chorus, and actually we've been woken up for about the last two or three mornings by pigeons doing some kind of dance on our roof, not sure what that's about. But if it's the dawn chorus, you know, when you suddenly hear all these birds, you sort of get this sense that the natural world is singing out praise to God for a new day. This psalm talks about the heavens. You think of the spheres of planets, the stars, the asteroid belts, looking through the magnificent sky um, sky through a telescope. And it says they pour forth speech. They display knowledge. Now, this is not our speech. You know, Jupiter doesn't speak like we do. It's not words. But some of the most profound ways of communication, even as human beings, we don't use words, do we? What are some of the greatest things that people have ever said? Well, it's sometimes through music. It's sometimes through art. It's sometimes just simply through a smile. You know, one thing I actually love now is now that um, we're able to see one another's faces rather more is we can see smiles. We can actually see people smile. Just look around and smile. You know, you can see one another's faces. But this is not our speech. It's not our words. But it continues. The psalm continues. Verse 5. It talks about the sun like a champion runner. Again, it's this kind of Olympic language, going across the sky, bringing warmth and light. The splendor of the heavens declare the glory of God. They declare it. Do we declare it? The creation declares, are we people of praise? Now, over the lockdowns and restrictions over previous um, weeks and months, There are many things that I hope I never have to live through again. I'm sure we'd all be in agreement with that. You know, the sense of isolation, the only being able to go out for an hour a day. There are lots of things that I think I would really happily put to one side, never to repeat. But there are some things that I've actually found that I really hope stay with me. And some of that is the appreciation of God's creation, the beauty of the world in which we see. Because sometimes we're scurrying around so fast we, we don't pause. We don't see the intricacies of a spider's web caught in the frost. We don't look at the sunset, and that is actually over Warrington. That is a Warrington sunset. We don't see those kind of things. We don't slow down long enough to see the ducks on the canal or the leaves changing color on the trees. And I hope that that stays with us, that sense of appreciation for what God has made. But David's point remains that the creation praises the creator. It either does it in silent splendor or intricate sound. Now, we are part of the creation. We are made by God. Genesis tells us that we are image bearers. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are made with voice. We are made with the ability to love and create and think. Is our heart referenced to God in praise? Just as the heavens declare the glory of God, does my heart declare the glory of God? 
Do we simply thank God for who he is? Rooted not in our circumstance. Those will change. Those will change day by day. But in who God is, his creative power, his saving works, his eternal love. Are we like the families of those Olympian athletes who just can't keep quiet when a gold medal is won? Well, let's reflect. Let's be people who think on God regularly. You know, Irene was talking about God's faithfulness and just that, that praying to God as you walk. You know, if you, I was just thinking when she was saying that, actually, you may want to get some earbuds and not switch them on so people wonder who you're talking to and just go around with them in and talk away to God. You could do that as prayer and no one would notice. But what an amazing thing to do, just to be praying, having that life of continual prayer and praise. Let's move on. Praise to the God who speaks. Like most people, um, we've got quite a number of pictures up in our house. And there are varying qualities. You know, some of them are like off-the-shelf Ikea, Dunelm-type pictures, not great works of art. But we do own a few individual pieces of art. Now, in case you're thinking I've got a Monet on the wall or something like that, don't be too disappointed. These are from local artists from places that we've lived where we wanted to take a memory with us. Or we have a, a painting that we bought in memory of somebody. They're not particularly valuable money-wise, but they are in terms of what they mean to us. But one thing that's really interesting is with a few of those paintings, we actually got to meet the artist. And when you've met the artist, it brings the painting to life. You know a little bit about them. You know why they're painting, what they're painting. You know a bit about their character as well. The universe is like a huge canvas, a huge painting. But God has not forgotten to sign it. You know, I think some people live life as if there is no signature on the universe. And that is the most depressing place to be, to see this incredibly beautiful creation and think, well, I don't know why it's here. I don't know what the reasons are. I don't know what it's all about. God has signed it, and he's spoken, and he continues to speak. Just look at the next part of the psalm. Verses 7 to 13, God has given his law. He's revealed himself to his creation. It says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Are you refreshed by God's words this morning? The ordinances of the Lord are sure, verse 9. All of them are righteous. Verse 10, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. You know, gold is one of those substances, isn't it, that as human beings we tend to think is of the pinnacle of wealth. If you've got a lot of gold, you're really wealthy. But actually, it's just metal, just a lump of metal. What God says to us is far more valuable than anything we could have. We then look forward to the New Testament, and we see that Jesus fulfills the law. He is God's Messiah, God's anointed, the writer to the Hebrews. And we've already had these verses this morning. From Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3, it says this, On many past occasions and in many different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Like a bit of an afterthought there, isn't it? But it's amazing, incredible words. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. God has spoken to us through Christ. So here's a question for us as we go through the summer and into the autumn. If you've been joining with us on the tour, you'll have realized we've come to the end of the Old Testament. We're doing some extra readings over the summer. But as we go into the autumn, we will be journeying through the New Testament. 
we'll be hearing again about the Word made flesh, about Jesus, about how he fulfills the law. We'll see who Jesus is, his death and resurrection. We'll hear of his soon return, about salvation, about being born again by water and the Spirit. Will we get plugged back in to hear what God is saying through his word? Perhaps we've been drifting a little bit with our readings or not really engaging with that. Can I encourage you as we get into the autumn to get back plugged in with that? Christ has been made known to us. God in Christ is known. But another question. Are we making ourselves known to Christ? If Christ has been made known to us, but are we making ourselves known to Christ? Do we allow the gospel, the good news, the news of the coming kingdom to keep shaping us? Are we open to the work of the Holy Spirit? Are we open to what God would do in our lives? Or in a sense, have we got the remote control, look for the pause button and press spiritual pause? You know, I'm okay here. That's enough, thank you, God. I don't want my life to be challenged anymore. I don't want anything else to happen. I just want to press pause and sit comfortably at this point. It's easy to do it. I'm sure we've all done it at times. But are we on the pause button at the moment? Do we want more of God? Do we long for more of him in our lives? You know, relationship and relationship with Jesus is always two-way. God has revealed himself in Christ, but are we revealing who we are and asking him to transform us? You see, David longs for God's word to interpret him, not just for him to be an interpreter of God's word. Will we allow God to do that? Finally, in this psalm, right at the end, is um, a sort of plea, a heart cry for joined-up praise. I think one of the greatest challenges in any area of life is for everything to make sense and be all joined up together, for our words and our actions to actually correspond. And it doesn't really matter what that is in, whether you're training to be an athlete and making sure that what you say and what you're actually doing actually marries up, whether it's as a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, and saying, actually, we say all these words, we sing these words, but then are they resonating deep within us? Verse 13, it says, Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David's prayer is that through knowing God more, he will be kept from willingly doing those things that are wrong. I don't know whether you find it, but I find it quite easy to say good things. I find it even easier to sing really good things. But then actually to do those things that God wants me to do is something quite different. And to actually do that deep within my heart, when nobody's watching and nobody apart from God knows, is different again. And this psalm, it ends with a plea that the meditations, you know, those things deep inside of us, in our heart, are the same as the things that we speak and do. So it's a life that is consistent. It's holiday time, so um, excuse me for talking about a stick of rock, but just imagine a stick of rock for the moment. You know, they're bright pink on the outside generally. And I don't know how they get them that color, but anyway, that's another story. But a stick of rock is one thing on the outside and it's another thing inside. The color changes as you go into it. Let's not be like that as Christians. Let's not look like one thing on the outside, but something else on the inside. Let's be those who are the same. Who we are the same in what we say, what we do, what we are, what we think. Now, I know what's going on in my heart. I have no idea what's going on in yours. I know that my discipleship journey has got an awful long way to go. I'm imagining that yours probably has too, because we're all human and we're all on that journey. But let's be on the journey that this psalm takes us on. The last part, 
that last verse, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Things I speak, the things I think about, the things that I don't want to do, let's make sure that it's all what God wants for us. And let's be those people who are joined up. What we're going to do is we're going to just spend some time now in prayer. And I want to start our prayer time really by using that verse. And then we're going to move on and um, use some words that we were using at the prayer meeting on Monday night from the book of Philippians. So let's spend some time in prayer. And we'll start off with this verse as our prayer. So let's, let's pray, shall we? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, I want to thank you for, for this psalm. I thank you for the words that David was inspired to write. And I want to pray that the things that go on in our hearts, the things that we speak, the things that we sing, will all be joined up. Lord, that we will honor you with our whole lives, that we will engage in that full life discipleship. I'm just going to leave just a moment of quiet. It may be that you just need to, to spend a few moments with the Lord in that verse and just ask that verse to, to um, be prayed in and um, just to sink, sit deep with you this morning. So just a few moments of quiet. Paul writes in Philippians 1, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the praise of his glory. Paul prays these most incredible prayers. And let's pray that prayer for ourselves, first of all that love may abound. Lord, help love to abound in my life. Lord, I pray also that we might know you more, have a greater depth of insight into who you are. Help that to be reflected in a pure and blameless life until Jesus returns. just as we prayed those things for ourselves, perhaps think of the person either sat next to you or somebody you know well, maybe somebody at home, a family member, a friend, and perhaps pray the same thing for them, that they may grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, able to discern what is best and be blameless on the day of Christ.